Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 214 with a review of Upside Down. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Badrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases, television shows, and web series from the past week and beyond. Each week on the show, you're going to get a couple different episodes. You're going to get some reviews. Uh, this week, we actually have a bunch for you. We got The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, Upside Down, Spring Breakers, The Croods, and Olympus Has Fallen. Um, generally, you will also get a trailer talk segment where we discuss some of the trailers for things that have come out on the internet recently. Um, or I guess some trailers for things those trailers haven't come out on the internet recently. I don't know why that sentence sounded weird to me. But uh, also, you will get a What We've Been Watching segment where we talk about some of the things we've been watching outside of the podcast. This week, since we're trying to play catch-up for the missed week that we have, we're just going to bring you these five reviews. We're not going to have these two alternate episodes, or, yeah, these two, like, supplemental episodes, but those will return next week, hopefully. Um, But, uh, yeah, we're back. As we said in the last episode, if you haven't caught that one already, Carson and I have been dealing with some sicknesses. You can probably hear it in my voice a little bit. But uh, we're finally here trying to record some stuff that we missed, some stuff that uh, you might not have been able to see yet, like this episode of um, Upside Down, which is in limited release right now. Um, but uh, yes. yeah, we're back and uh, we are, you know, we're turning our sicknesses upside down to bring you a review of Upside Down. And uh, yeah. right. So, yeah. <laughs> Did I just turn your brain upside down? There for this second? review is right side up, though. Yes. Um, yeah. At least I'm gonna try. I don't know. See, Carson and I are. He, you know, he's he's in L.A. I'm here in <laughs> San Marcos. We yeah. have uh, different. Both of our um, cities have opposite gravity, and yeah. you know, we can only Skype each other to do this review because we would catch fire if we were sitting in the same room recording together. That is true. Which would which would be pretty gnarly, but yeah. But yeah, Upside Down, this is a film that... that uh, it, it reverse matter or whatever it was. Yeah, um, but Upside Down is a film that uh, we've talked about several times on the show. I've been super excited to see this thing. I mean, this thing has been in limbo for God knows how long. and uh, you know, a, long, a, a long time. Yeah, it was a really interesting concept. And that first time I saw the trailer, you know, they had like the, the, uh, the you know, the totally cheap music uh, playing that like totally suckers me in and makes me want to see it. Interesting concept. Uh, um, and it's just a really, it, it, obviously it's not a big film because the studios weren't pushing it really hard, but you know, it, it's, it's doing something interesting, hopefully. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I was excited. I know Carson was at least backing me up a little bit, right? Were, were, were you excited to see this? I was, I was looking forward to it. Um, just based on the, the concept alone. Yeah. So and you know the the look of the film uh, was definitely unlike anything that I'd seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, basically, just concept and visuals alone, it's it was something that uh, looked like it could be very uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, and I think I said on on one of the more recent episodes that we were discussing the this film coming out, I I believe I said something to effect of. The premise of this film alone should allow me to give it at least a passable grade. Like I should. Yes, I distinctly remember you saying that. Yeah. So so it's like, it was one of those things where it's like I can't possibly not like this film because it's just because of this. Yeah, because of what it's doing in general, I should be able to enjoy it on some level. And you know, it might not turn out to be the best thing in the world, but it should. 
it should be something interesting. And it, you know, it had, it had a lot of that uh, Adjustment Bureau vibe to it, which Adjustment Bureau made my list of films that were my favorite of that year. So um, I, I think we should uh, check out the trailer for Upside Down before I keep rambling on and then let everybody know how it actually turned out and whether or not they should seek it out as it goes wider. I've been waiting ages for you. I made it here, right? I come from the only known solar system with two twin planets, each with its own and opposite gravity. Now in our world, it's possible to fall up and to rise down. Three thieves from down below arrested last week, raising interworld tensions. We don't go down to their world, and we certainly don't want them coming up to ours. We observe a full separation between worlds. Hey! There's to be no contact with those up top. Imagine if we could go anywhere we wanted to. Border place! Come on, come on, come on! her again and it will cost you your life i need your help these weights will hold you down in their world take them off when you want to come back i can't believe it everybody up against the wall i gotta go no i'll find you stop him You're gonna go out there and you're gonna get yourself killed. If I can just give my life some kind of hope, then I'm gonna do it. Gravity. They say you can't fight it. Well, I disagree. What if love was stronger than gravity? All right, so here we have Upside Down. There are, you know, we're in the only known universe in which these two planets are basically this is like planets with opposite gravity, and each planet's gravity only acts upon the, the matter from that world. So, you know, like we talked about as we were getting ready to see this film, like how exactly would that work with like the gravity, like wouldn't the two planets gravities affect each other well the premise of this universe that they're creating is that you know matter can only be acted upon by the gravity of the world it comes from and basically we have two people who discover each other on each um, opposite side and they kind of fall in love and this is a story about how they can interact in a world where they're literally separated by opposite gravities that are pulling them apart and can they make this thing work and uh well, yeah. and also in the beginning, they explained that it's there are two different planets that crash into each other. And that's why there's the two separate gravities. Well, they didn't technically crash into each other, did they? But they're, but they're, yeah, but they they made the point to say like that's why that they're like kind of on top of each other. Yeah. Which 
gives me, which <laughs> makes me question, well, is on the other side of the planet, is it just normal? I don't know. <laughs> I Well, I, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just say that there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I don't think they thought through. Um, this movie is really bad. It's... N- I I don't know where to begin. First of all, I'll begin in the beginning, okay, and and tell you about how... (laughs) Which which is where God started, so that's probably a good spot to go. In the beginning, uh, God created these two planets, and yeah, whatever, okay. Um, In the beginning, Jim Sturgis starts talking, and he doesn't shut up for the whole damn movie. And it's the (laughs) the worst voiceover since, like, Kiefer Sutherland narrating 12. Like, it's just bad. It's just so <laughs> distracting. It's it's just not good at all. Like, I'm sorry. It's, if you need that much voiceover in your movie, um, you need to do a rewrite, in my opinion. Um, I, I'd, I'd literally rather have just characters explain things to each other and have it be at least that way instead of, like, literally 10 minutes of voiceover of just, just droning on and on about all the, you know, everything that goes on, and then it just keeps going on, and it's just like, okay, we you know, you can show some of this visually. Like, we don't have to be told all of it. Like, I felt like there could have been a way to simplify it. Like, I mean, yeah. one of the reasons why a movie like Looper is so good is because it, it minimized the exposition for this concept that was something that was very kind of heady and needed a lot of explanation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what really made it pop, I think is because yeah, there was voiceover, but it was just enough to, to get you into the story and, uh, to kind of lead you along. It wasn't just like, let me sit here and explain to you every damn thing about this universe. Um, so there's strike number one. Strike number two is that Kirsten Dunst and Jim Sturgis have absolutely no chemistry. <laughs> and the, the, the way that this romance is set up is so clunky and doesn't get me invested at all into this char- or these characters' uh, f- uh, love together. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I won't say what happens, but you know what happens at the beginning. And it's just... From there on, I guess, I don't know if it was in the newer trailer, but I I was not expecting that. This whole other angle with Kirsten Dunst's character that stems from a, an incident in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that, that actual, the introduction of that plot line really sidelines your ability to care for the struggle that these two are going through. I mean, if, Completely. You, if you look at, um, like, you know, going back to the Adjustment Bureau, you have two people who are being forced apart. And like part of the tragedy is they both want to be together, but one of them is aware of the fact that they can't be together. Like, you know, you know, you you have Matt Damon is literally talking to the forces of nature that are preventing them from being together. And he's being told like, you cannot be with her. And he has to hurt her in ways that like he wouldn't like not physically hurt her, but like he has to do things that he knows will hurt her. Um, because like he he has to on she wants it, to be, it'll ruin her life yeah basically. yeah like so he has to make these sacrifices in this the way they've set up this construct like it's really hard to feel any tragedy there because the characters themselves don't feel that tragedy so it's right and we've literally been with the characters 
for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. If that, because there's this weird thing where, you know, we see Jim Sturgis's character as a kid and we're introduced to that whole thing. And then, you know, we flash forward like, uh, I guess, a couple years or so, 10 years. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was 10 um, years. But they're, they're, I guess they're, they're clearly supposed to be teenagers. Um, because after what happens at the beginning, it flashes another 10 years, and that's when they're adults, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, but, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like the, the whole thing where it's like they're kids, and it kind of sets that up, and then they're these kind of, you know, young loves. Uh, we they, They've literally been in love for like five minutes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then like when this incident happens, it's like, well, I don't. You know, I have no attachment to these people yet. Yeah. And uh, and the interesting thing, too, is during this 10-year t- time gap, Jim Sturgis is not looking for Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst is not looking for him. Like, right. He thinks that is, she's dead. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no – there's no – So, like, when they rekindle their relationship or, you know, when he finds out that she's still alive, it's like, well, and again, we don't care because he's – <laughs> he hasn't cared for the last 10 years yeah it's like out of nowhere he suddenly has this new like passion like it might as well be it might as well be something where he has a job at this company and he sees this girl for the first time and then he has like this like this this like taming of the shrew moment or something like that where like he's like oh well now i totally have to have her and it, yeah i don't know why the f they just didn't have him see her on tv and then go who's that and then someone's like well she lives up there yeah. Like, I, why? Like, I mean, it would be kind of lame, but uh, like kind of cheesy but, and maybe a little, you know, predictable. But at least it would have been a lot less clunky than what they have initially. Like, it's just yeah. it's so weird. And like, I don't know why they have to to insert this thing in the beginning that, you know, to Kirsten Dust's character. It just did. I don't it feels like too much. And, you know, again, uh, it feels very Adjustment Bureau-ish, the whole movie does, but I mean, you know, the Adjustment Bureau benefits uh, greatly from its leads having good chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Here, it's zero. It's it, literally zero, and it doesn't help that Jim Sturgis, he's so sweaty in this movie. He's so, like, <laughs> out of breath. He's like, like, he just ran the Boston Marathon, or he's, like, drunk off his ass. Like, he just looks so... Like, there's literally a scene where he, like, runs up to Kirsten Dunst, and he's just all like, oh, oh. I was like, he's acting like Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> he's just, like, he, so, he slides like, and he's like, Wah. He's like, um, and he has these, like, really, like, like wigged-out eyes. Like, he's just been, like, drinking all night. Like, I, I it's it's so weird. He gets all clammy and, like, like cartoonish when he's well, around obviously. Kirsten Dunst. And it's like, dude, you're, like, you were just the king of cool, like, in the last sequence doing all this like experimenting on your on your little uh you know uh, whatever potion he was making and then Kirsten Dunst shows up and he's just like whoa there is a plot device that explains why he's getting all sweaty and clammy but okay yeah there is but even just in general he looks like he's just haggard yeah um but but the main thing is that he just turns into Kramer from Seinfeld anytime yeah. Kirsten Dunst is around and it's like why it's it really feels like it really feels like a comedy like they're in a romantic comedy all of a sudden like a bad romantic comedy like oh uh, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson don't know how to get along like it's a, it feels like something like that yeah 
Um, so yeah, I don't know what was with that, but I will say, you know, like I was expecting, conceptually the movie is awesome, aside from the fact that they can't really stick to the universe they created, because there's some things in it where, like in the beginning, Kirsten Dunst is trying to get back to, uh, her world, and she's climbing a rope, but she's really, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's like in a rope, and then she falls, but it's like, because if she falls, her down is Jim Sturgis's up. But then there's a scene later on in the movie where Jim Sturgis literally like falls from the sky into water. It's like, well, why didn't he die? Well, because um, he landed, he went from water to water. But that doesn't make any sense, though. Yeah, because there was ocean on the one world and ocean on the other world. He ran to an area where he could dive in the water, remove his weights, and fall out of the water there and into the water above. Yeah, but that's that that would basically like why couldn't Kirsten Dunst then just let go of her rope and float up or down to her level? Because it was rocks above her, not water. Dude, if you fall from the sky into water, it might as well be rocks. Well, yeah, I I, I understand that, but as yeah, far so that's as... what I'm saying. Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. There's it, just it... things like that. You know, anytime, like in the beginning. Kirsten Dunst and Jim Sturgis have this like frolic through the woods. It's like, well, why aren't they catching on fire? Well, yeah. Well, it's like, okay, here, here's here's the real problem with this film. And like, because first of all, I really, really, really wanted to love this movie. Um, but the one thing I couldn't get out of my head is, you know, like the so the big uh, voiceover narration that you really hated in the beginning is only there to establish this thing in the universe that allows. For there to be a reason why they can't be together, all right. So, right. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna do a little bit of spoileriness for this, just because this needs to be explained to kind of get to my point. But this, this is something that you hear in the first thirty seconds of the film, so it's not a big spoiler. Basically, as I, as I already said, there's two planets, opposite gravity. Matter in one only acts upon the matter from that gravity. We have this stuff called negative. It's what do they call it? Negative matter or Inverse matter. Inverse matter, that's what they call it, yeah, yeah. So inverse matter is basically matter from the other world, which is gravitationally pulled towards that world. So yeah. essentially, you know, if you have, like, if you weigh, you know, 165 pounds, and you were to take 165 pounds of inverse matter and hold it, you would float because yours, your 165 pounds would pull you towards your planet and that 165 inverse matter would pull you towards the inverse gravity planet. Um, right. if, if you were to put more weight on there, you would float towards that planet. Um, and there's this, this thing. The, the downside is that um, when matter is being acted upon, basically when matter is taken into the opposite world's matter uh, and it stays there for too long, it starts to heat up and literally burn. They yeah. introduce a plot device that uh, the so basically you have the two two planets and one of them is a rich planet and one of them is a poor like rundown planet. The people right. on the poor planet will steal inverse matter from the other planet and use it to literally heat their houses because the longer it stays in their world, it starts to catch on fire and burn. Yeah. So the re like you know in the trailer we have Jim Sturgis just putting on inverse matter from the other planet so he can weigh himself down there and the big whole crux is that well the longer he stays there the more those weights start to catch on fire and then yeah. he has to escape 
The problem is he's using inverse matter to weigh him to the inverse planet. So that matter is in the world that it belongs to. He's not when he's if he's using inverse matter from like if he's using matter that <laughs> is the inverse of, that. <laughs> of his planet, that would keep him on the other planet, but it would be in the right gravitational zone. Right. Yeah. So the only thing that should catch on fire is him, not the weights. So that's true. Yes. Like the entire. I didn't even think of that. Like, I just thought like, oh well, yeah, he's got the. Yeah, it, it doesn't make like the entire movie. All I was thinking was, no. Those weights are already in the correct <laughs> gravitational fields. Why would they catch on fire? The only thing that would catch on fire is his clothes and himself. And you could argue you know, that, well, <laughs> organic matter doesn't catch on fire, just inanimate matter that's like metals and stuff like that. But either way, nothing would catch on fire. He yeah, would they, be totally they go fine. through this big thing to say that it will catch on fire and burn up. Yeah. So I just assume that, like, well, that's why they're, they, they have to be apart is because if they're together – they're going to burst into flames. Yeah, like that would be more of a thing. Excuse me, that would be more of a thing that would make sense, but unfortunately... Yeah, and it's like not only are they separated by gravity, they're also separated by this inverse matter will literally combust them. Yeah. So, and that's why, you know, there's, you know, on top of all the other little things, the, the other thing that I noticed, somehow I noticed this, but not the, like which is now the most glaring flaw <laughs> in this whole movie. Um, but you know that, that like restaurant that was kind of in between yeah. both and it's in like, you know, there's the, the ballroom or whatever that's uh, both sides. Yeah. So they show Kirsten Dunst in this uh, restaurant and she's drinking like a martini, but she's drinking it upside down yeah. because clearly the martini is, from below or yeah the the glass is from the glass is from her, her world side, her but world. the drink itself is from below the drink is from below so she's drinking it why wouldn't she just burn up on the inside <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like what the hell like oh just because it looks cool doesn't mean your you know theories are all wrong well i think i i think that uh you know, like, and obviously, I'm joking right now. Before, I'm not trying to defend this film at all. But uh, I'll, I'll just go out on a limb and say that as your body metabolizes the inverse matter, <laughs> it reverts it to your matter. Okay. But no, totally. That, you know, why didn't that, Jim Sturgis explain that to no, me? No, no, that can't even be true because there's a scene where Jim Sturgis <laughs> pees up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> why didn't his pee like burn through the wall like the alien goo in Alien? The funny thing is, that, like, it, it, he would be throwing up constantly because all his food would be trying to go up his esophagus. Oh, see this? Yeah, because he totally eats while he's in the in with Kirsten Dunst. Unless, unless they have some BS excuse, like, well, you know, the that restaurant is in between, so it's neutral or something dumb. But what? it doesn't make any sense because the drink was clearly going up and the glass was not. So yeah, I I do I do really like I I love the idea of that restaurant though because the restaurant is on the below and they have to take a like uh, I don't know, what are the things called the little sky trams yeah that's like yeah. that pulls them like down going up to a like a ski lift or something. yeah yeah like I, I the 
the concept of what's happening there is is a, like a really awesome concept. Oh yeah, like the the concept of this restaurant and everything is is definitely a, yeah. a cool concept. But it would have made more sense if that restaurant was on the top of the building of whatever. The, what was the company's name that they worked for? Uh, uh I can't remember. It was like Negacorp or something stupid like that. Sky, Skynet. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. But see now that would have been. If they had really stuck to their guns and, uh, you know, went through with all this, like Jim Sturgis not having to eat because the food is coming out of him or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like that that stuff would be cool to, to see. Yeah. Um, now, I, I will mention that uh, visually the movie does look very, very good. Like it, it's visually striking. Uh, yeah. if, if it's got anything going for it, how they did some of the uh, – you know, the sequences like where Jim Sturgis walks into the, you know, the row of cubicles where he works. Yeah. And it's basically just the reverse image on top. That looked really cool. Now, after a while, some of it kind of got annoying because it's like, you know, you can only see somebody walk upside down so much before yeah. you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I, I do still like the construction of, of that universe, like you're saying. Yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, visually, though, it was top notch. Like, yeah. it, it's unfortunate that the story and everything else had to not be up to par. Yeah, this is something that, like, I'm definitely going to want to red box once it comes out just to watch special features because I'd like yeah. to see how much stuff is is like just tricked and how much stuff is people like hanging upside down like things where like jim sturgis is you know he has a briefcase full of weights that are the opposite direction of where he is so he has to put the briefcase under the desk instead of over the desk and then when he pulls it out from under the desk it flings upwards and he has yeah. to like catch it like th there's a lot of cool visual tricks in the film to to sell this universe um and even you know the scene we're talking about earlier where he dives off of a ledge into water while removing weights from his body. So, like, as he's falling, like, he's falling downwards, but his body physically wants to mo move upward. Like, there's just right. some so he, really he interesting... He falls up out of the water and down into the water on his side. Yeah. But even before that moment, like, the way he hops... When he hops over the, the railing to jump in, his body orients upward even though he's still falling downward. Like, yeah. before he can remove those weights, his body still, like, psychologically wants to transfer directions, even though, yeah. he, like, it, there's just there's some very interesting visual tricks that, that are pulled in this film. I just kept thinking of how awesome this movie would be if it was, like, a Christopher Nolan or a Terry Gilliam-style film. Yeah. Um, where it just was, you know, every detail was thought through, just like how Inception is, like every rule is thought through to a T. Yeah. Um, you know, it there's an explanation for pretty much everything. Like the, the world is so well established. Um I would love to see like a like a sci-fi action y kind of movie yeah. set within this world done by someone who is a little bit better of a screenwriter than this guy. I mean, no offense to the guy, because I I feel like he has the visual chops. He clearly had a vision. Yeah. And he succeeded in that. But story-wise, he didn't. Like, he just thought of, like, the most basic story 
so he could, you know, create this world. Well, that's the thing is he, he thought of certain elements that existed in the universe and he made the film before he fleshed out the universe. I mean, even, right. even if you look at just, you know, the whole like we, we, we you know, we exercise a, a, a definite separation between the two worlds and ball. Like there's this there's this element in the film in which you are a fugitive if you're currently existing in the opposite world. But why would that d- dynamic ever be created if people don't really truly have a way to exist for long durations of time in the opposite world? Like, yes, I could see, like, if, if, if you are literally going to the other world and then stealing something, yes, you're a fugitive, you're a thief. Like, I could see them hunting it down, but you just existing in that world... There's no crime that's being committed. There's no reason for you to be a threat to the society as a whole because, A, you can't exist in that world too long before you need to return to yours. And, B, like, what are you going to do? Like, everything – like, even if you wanted to steal stuff, every room you go into, you're going to be six feet away from something you want to steal because, like, it's – like, there's no reason for it to be such a – a like dangerous thing for people from the opposite sides to want to be together because yeah I, I didn't i didn't get that either like why why would it be like that i don't yeah. know it, it like they yeah it just it it just doesn't seem like it's like oh well it's like they just don't like poor people or something i don't know yeah it, it was a weird kind of like you know that basically they they were taking an idea from like the new total recall and trying to yeah, like, I got, insert I got that some, into it. I got some Total Recall remake vibes. Because especially when he goes into the building and there's that elevator that kind of goes in between both worlds. Yeah. I kind of wish that it did the reorientation thing. Yeah, I actually kind of wanted to see what that elevator did in, instead of just looking at the numbers. Actually, you know what would have been badass? If the elevators were double-sided too. So yeah. when, when the elevator's going up... There's people on the other side of that elevator going down, and like they're like I. It would be awesome to see a shot like a, a cross section of the elevator shaft with people standing at both ends going, and the camera itself could do a spin in the center, and like so Jim Sturges is on one elevator going up, and Kirsten Dunst is on the opposite end going down, and yeah. the cameras follows him into the elevator, and then transitions to her in the elevator, and then she follows her out. Yeah, I mean that that probably wasn't in the budget. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I kind of wanted to see that. Like that's something that I wish they had shown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't understand why everyone's so afraid of each other. It's just like, well, they would apparently they would combust if they're just there long enough. So who yeah. cares? That that's the one part I just don't. They're like, we don't want to clean up this mess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Oh, uh, I mean, I did you like that friend, like Jim Sturgis's like pal, <laughs> yeah. in uh the, his like workshop or whatever. It's the one. Oh wait, the one that he works with, or the, or the guy in the office that he. Joined? No, no, not Timothy Spall, um, in the office, but like the other dude. It was like him, the black guy, and then like the one other guy who was just like, he would just like drop like horrible advice. Yeah. Not horrible advice, but he was just not a very good actor, so it was just like he would say stuff and then it just was like, I, I half expected him to turn to the camera and be like, look, ma, I got my SAG card. Like, yeah, it was just really lame. Yeah. But there's a lot of little lame things in this film. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that Taron Killam? Like, who is this guy? And I was like, no, All right. why is he in this movie? Uh, 
Well, why don't we uh, wrap this episode up and get to our verdicts? Carson, if people, if people, if you were going to place this on a scale of must-see, recommend with a caveat, (laughs) wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, where would you place it? You know, I was, I went back and forth. I don't know, but the, once you pointed out that one thing, though, I I think I fully, I I have to give it a must-avoid. Like, I just, it's, I was going to give it a pass just to be like, yeah, well, like, you know, visually and at least they tried to go like they had an interesting concept but no like they they had an interesting concept but they completely stymied it like they completely wasted this great concept i think yeah yeah visually it's awesome it's i give it a plus for that um but everything else just falls so so below um and yeah it, it really comes down to the fact that they had an amazing concept and they completely wasted it. Like, this is a huge missed opportunity. Like, Burt Wonderstone times a thousand. <laughs> very, very, um, you know, you know, I only say that jokingly, but, I mean, they really did have a strong concept here. Yeah. And it was completely thrown out by not, you know, connecting a lot of the, uh, the you know, the rules and stuff they established within their own universe and just the fact that it's just it's just such a basic forgettable story and like everything else we've mentioned yeah it's it's really not worth it so i'm gonna have to give it a must avoid yeah because I, it, it yeah i i think that basically something had to fail either the relationship would fail or the universe would fail and if the other one got it perfect this film could have succeeded but unfortunately, they kind of screwed up on both ends, both the relationship and the universe fail in this in this film. And, you know, it's like my favorite phrase that we always talk about on this show is universe building. Um, right. They kind of said, hey, there's this really awesome universe. We're like, OK, build it now. And then they didn't build it. They just like relied on like a few key little pieces and said like, no, see, that's all of it. that's all you need to know. Right. Yeah. They, no, they right. half built it. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, there was another half that had opposite gravity and it ripped apart the one half that they did build completely ripped apart and burst into flames <laughs> but yeah i mean it's uh i i feel i feel conflicted too like <laughs> you're I'm, torn no i'm literally between torn, two yeah. worlds uh my grades my logical center my brain says this is a must avoid but like my desire to have this film like exist and be good be super awesome yeah my, my my inverse uh my inverse rationale is is trying to push this up towards a a pass with a caveat. Um, I think I think I will side with my inverse whatever and just say this is a pass with a caveat. The caveat being it's not a good film, but like I said, like I I want to rent this again so that I can watch special features and like see how they did for different things. And you know maybe when it comes out on DVD, they'll be like maybe they cut this movie to crap like to, like while it was on the shelf for like three years or whatever it's been possibly like, and and on the DVD, there'll be like a, a different cut, uh, you know, with a little bit different intro to the film or, you know, different, uh, maybe something can salvage this film. I mean, I, I would love if people saw this and then there were some really cool fan fiction or like some fan YouTube videos of people like doing some really cool things that exist in this universe or maybe even fixing the universe from the problems that they had. Um, there, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could also, I just will say one, probably watch the special features on youtube yeah when it comes out 
I'm, I'm sure. But, but I'm sure that second, second, and most importantly, the way this film was released, I think that I don't think there's another cut out there. Like, I don't think it was chopped to bits. I mean, yeah. it could very well have been. I don't know. I'm just guessing based on its release because it came out uh, internationally like last year, that's, long time ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's it just finally got a U.S. release last weekend. So in 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 that case you feel like it's i feel like it's a movie that it's sold overseas because it, it's a very kind of easy story it's not something you, that you have to really uh follow it's 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 a story at, at the center it's a story that's very universally known maybe so, maybe they didn't want um they didn't want it to come out anywhere close to melancholia <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kirsten exactly. Dunst, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst is already in a in a film with uh, two planets. With two planets. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. All I was thinking of was like, man, what's up with Kirsten Dunst making out with dudes upside down? Like, does yeah. she just she's into that? It's part of her contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. A must avoid from Carson and a pass with a caveat from me. That is a review of Upside Down. And uh, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show, including our reviews of the incredible Burt Wonderstone, Spring Breakers, The Croods, and Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, you can follow us. What, what was with the last Sorry, one? no. I I thought of something. I remember during the, the middle of Upside Down, I was like, I, I told my girlfriend, I was like, so wait, um, since the human brain sees everything upside down, or the, the eyes, our eyes see everything upside down, but the human brain flips it right side up, are Jim Sears and Kirsten Dunst really on the opposite? Like, they're, <laughs> but they're seeing the opposite. <laughs> I just, I, like, totally confused myself. What are you high when you like, watch this movie? <laughs> yeah, when I watched this movie, I was just like, I wonder if they thought of that. I don't know. I guarantee they didn't. So really, Jim Sturgis was above and she was below, but to them they were flipped. I don't know. You know, that was just. I was just trying to think of like more ridiculous things. I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, Twitter.com/slash/spoilerwarning uh, um, to figure out when these episodes go live, and Facebook.com/slash/thespoilerwarning if you want to like us over there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from whichever soundtrack these five movies that we're reviewing this week um, has the most tracks. So that's a surprise and it's playing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Carson, thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. We will catch you next time.